Todd and Rob in the afternoon. Hey, afternoon With Todd and Rob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're just a few minutes late, but Rob had a meeting that run late and we had to change how our guest came in. It's it's funny because, you know, Rob, we put you on on uh, Zoom. Yep. Because apparently the audio sounds better for you on Zoom. Matter of fact, we'll talk about, we got some comments from people that said it actually sound better. So I, I hope our guest sounds good on Skype because I don't have a way to do split screen on, uh, on yeah, Skype. So we're, we're definitely a hybrid experience here. <laughs> That's I'm right. on Zoom and, and Alex is on uh, Skype. So we're. Todd, we're going to be able to compare this. Yes, we are. Right? <laughs> but it's on a, it's on the other platform, so maybe this one was not having. But yeah, I've tested and tested and tested. And I can't figure out why Skype was causing you and you know your voice to sound with issues. But you know, the last show we had, um, we had an, an equipment failure going on, and I'd had a whole bunch of power outages. But you know, basically everything here um we had uh surges and now everything's on surge protectors but this one particular piece of gear was not as in-depth protected as others and it, it basically took it out so we're running on another piece of gear to get the video stream out yeah. so uh I, i'm hoping that that solution it looks like everybody's levels is good nobody's quiet today like in the past but for people listening uh, via on demand, they could care less because they're not watching the live. Well, and normally on a podcast, we probably wouldn't talk about these topics. But if you're a, <laughs> if you're a podcaster like us, and most people listening to this are podcasters, and they care about these these little quirks, yeah, so, and, right. And I had to go dig in my ten uh, year bin to find the right piece of gear to do this. And luckily, uh, some gear I used to use at CES before went right in the rack and plugged in and just a little volume adjustment and bada bing, bada boom, we were good, but we are lit and live. And, uh, so, uh, those of you that are on a new podcasting app via podcastapps.com or new podcastapps.com, those will take you to the same place. You can watch this show, either audio or video live on one of those apps that supports the, the lit tag. And uh, before we get too deep into today's uh, commentary, I do want to thank uh, Scott. He sent 5,000 sats. He said, here's a boost for finally making Rob sound good. And uh, so I thought that was a, a little bit uh, entertaining. And well, then, thank you uh, for everyone that cares about how I sound. Thank that's you. right. <laughs> and uh, Adam Curry was on the show the other night, and he says, uh, 10,000 sets. Thanks. It sounds better. Uh, so basically, the output stream sound good. And uh, yeah, even so, the old guys can have problems with their audio. It's not like, you know, that's right. You're immune from having problems with your podcast. So, it, you know, after 20 years of us doing this, right, we still make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then, and then we've had some, uh, some other sats. I think this one was from, maybe I read this on the last show, 10,000 sats said, Rob Todd, thanks for having and sharing these conversations with the community. I almost had my PhD in podcast. I think I mentioned that last show, but anyway, so the boost. Send the, yeah. Send that certificate, Todd. The Get boost, the boost had been a little <laughs> low. 
So yes, we we must have gotten boring on the last show, not delivering enough did. delivering enough value. So we're going to do our best to deliver a lot of value today, and we have a very valuable VIP uh, podcaster with us today. So Rob. As tradition goes, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, I'm excited to have Alex here. Um, and his name is uh, San Flippio, and uh, I appreciate him joining us. He's a he's a, a a podcaster. He does the Podcasting Made Simple podcast. So, and he's the founder of uh, PodPros.com. It's a software company that specifically focused on creating solutions that serve independent podcasters. So, I think it's uh, we're all about the independent podcasters too. So, Alex, welcome to the to the show, to the new media show. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I hope that there's not like a, a terrible sound quality coming from my side, or this might make your <laughs> show really interesting. If there's a 25-minute delay to when I start talking, that'll make it real interesting in about 25 minutes from now. So we'll see. <laughs> well, we're all on Shure microphones here, so, so we're all in the same family here. You're on an MV7, I'm on SM7B, so is Todd. So we're yeah. all, we're, we should all sound very similar to each other. But Alex is definitely <laughs> lower, so I'm going to adjust his audio. But uh, again, I'm going to boost it up a little bit because I can tell it's he, Alex is the quiet one today. Um, that's, that's super rare, by the way. I am. That's a first. I'm going to write this day down in podcasting as a new achievement for me. The quiet <laughs> one. <laughs> well, I, I think it's I think it's because we don't normally use that uh, system, and you know, I've adjusted everything for Rob and. You're, you're, you're coming in quiet, but that's okay. We'll get, we'll, uh, we'll boost you up here in a second. You know, don't feel I, left out because I, I, I used to call on that channel too. And I was <laughs> low too. So I was included in that so, low volume. So yeah. Alex, I think you've already got your PhD in podcasting, but are we, are we going to see you next week at uh, podcast movement? Oh yeah, I'll be there. And, and here's the thing. If I do have a PhD in podcasting, I've been listening to this show for, I don't actually know how long. But since I've been around in podcasting, let's put it that way. So you all have been huge contributors to uh, to my personal success in podcasting. So I thank both of you for for just the contribution you'll have, not just on me, but other podcasters in the world. So thank you. And I'll definitely be there hanging out with you guys next week. Okay, terrific. Yeah. Well, this show is not a conventional podcast. So this is this is this is what we do. We just pull our microphones down and start talking. So that's kind of there's no there's very little preparation. So. Prep, prep today was make sure the power was on and all the connectors were plugged in. That was the prep. Check, right. so done. Yeah, and I know that Alex has been doing a lot of stuff in the podcasting space. You know, he's trying to help a lot of people, and he's got a whole bunch of products that he's working on. and And I know he he told me about some some recent kind of research that he was doing. You know, talking to you know a fairly good swath of the podcasting space, uh, trying to learn about, uh, various aspects of kind of the things that independent podcasters are going through right now. And I thought maybe it would be helpful for people to hear from Alex about what he has learned about, uh, what, what's going on with the independent podcaster right now. So I, I don't know if you want to share some of that, Alex. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing, that's still a, I, it just baffles me and I actually like to discuss it with you guys. And I believe both of you guys have businesses that do a good job at this, but in general, it blows my mind how many new podcasters I meet and talk to. And they're like, oh, there's other people who do this. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I didn't realize that there was like podcasts about podcasting. Oh, there's conferences, right? And again, I don't put all hosting providers in the same bucket with this, but I find that most of them, it's like, how are we doing such a big disservice unless these people that are coming into the space just 
have no clue. But as soon as I got started, the first thing I did was look up conferences, looked up podcasts about podcasting. That's how I found you guys, right? Like that was my first step. And maybe I'm not the norm, but talking to people, it baffles me how few of them have any clue past their own show. And they're like, I didn't realize I could actually learn how to do this. I, I don't know if, if you guys have thoughts on that, because that's the one that's still like, I have more to share, but that's the one that just baffles me. I just can't get past it. It's, yeah. that, go ahead, Todd. That is an interesting thought. Or, or you know, what, if, you know what you're, I, I don't hear that from podcasters, because I guess maybe when I'm doing discussions, it's more about how can I grow my show? You know, how can I monetize my show? Uh, I hear those basic yeah. questions, but um, so of course you're platform agnostic. So you're you're reaching people that are really hosting their shows everywhere. Is does does a trend run on dependency on where they're hosting their content? Am I allowed to use company names? Sure, here or absolutely. Girl? Okay, sure. well, uh, Anchor Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, whatever you call it, that. There are a large portion of them, and they, they're the ones that have the least clue, I find. Because you can look to see where their podcast is hosted fairly easily, right? Yeah. So like, that's what I do. As soon as I start getting these questions, I, the mass majority of them are with that specific company. Let's put it that way. And I just have to imagine there's zero education involved in it. You know, that I, I can see that because... Anchor doesn't do a show for them. I don't think they have an internal company podcast. I don't know if they're sending them. I don't have an Anchor account. I probably should go over there and spy and have one, but I, I don't. So I'm not on their mailing list or anything else. You would think that they would be informing them of different things going on in the space, uh, but m maybe not. Maybe they don't communicate with the content creators that are there. Now, I get emails from Spotify talking about their, you know, their top shows of the week or whatever they're doing. But I, I don't know. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if anchor doesn't communicate with those content creators. Yeah, Todd, I think, um, what Alex is saying is definitely an issue out there. I, you know, I, like I was at the on air fest, uh, in, in Brooklyn here this past weekend and, um, and then also went to hot pod and, um, that kind of community too. And then talking to people that, aren't really connected to the podcasting space or they're very new to the podcasting space. Um, but he's exactly right. Uh, the, the industry knowledge is, is definitely uh, lacking, especially uh, w with folks that are new to the industry. And in some ways, you know, you, you really shouldn't be surprised at that um, to some degree, but I do think that uh, if you're a podcaster and this came up in a discussion on, I think it was either LinkedIn or Facebook just, just happened in the last day or so about, do whether or not podcasters should listen to more podcasts, right? Are, are they more connected to um, uh, what other people are doing with their podcasts or are they very singularly focused on just doing what they're doing? And I tend to agree with that. I think podcasters generally don't listen to a bunch of podcasts because they're too busy making their podcasts and they, they just don't have time to listen to a bunch of other podcasts. And I think the comment was really focused on, you know, commentators or folks that are, that are um, trying to be leaders in the podcasting space or their consultants or whatever, um, that, um, that don't listen to podcasts or they say, I don't have time to listen to podcasts or something like that as being an issue in the medium. And I think it gets back to this is a much bigger discussion topic, which is, you know, how widely is the industry being communicated to 
Um, yeah, I think James Cridlin does a terrific job with the uh, pod news. And I think that there's like four or five newsletters out there that are doing a good job of reaching out to the community, but there is this fractional kind of situation in the podcasting space. It's going on for a long time. I don't think it's anything new, um, where there just isn't a lot of cross community communication happening. Uh, and I mean, I've gone to, you know, events in New York where they don't even know about PodFest even exists or those kind of things. So I think it, I think the community can definitely do a better job of communicating amongst itself, but some ways the people need to take responsibility for that too, Alex. I mean, what's your thoughts on a solution here? Yeah. I mean, first off, one of the issues I find is when even the people who do know some of the stuff, they forget pretty quick or they just ignore it. And one of the issues is I find a lot of us in the educational side of podcasting, ones that are teaching podcasters, we give resources. So we're like, here's a list of 20 things you can use for this and 15 things for that. And what I'm finding is what podcasters are responding better to, especially the newer ones, is true direction. So if if they like what you're sharing and they're like, oh, wow, I really resonate with Rob, they don't want you to say, cool, here's five options for your next step. They want you to say, here's the one thing that I think is the right solution for you if you're looking to do remote interviews. I'm just using that as an example, right? And I I think that the problem is there's so much resource out there. It just gets lost in the mind of this new person who's like, all I care about is serving somebody who I want to speak to, right? And instead of giving them true direction, we're like, hey, here's 100 things that work really great for you. And I think that's almost like it's a service that's become a bit of a disservice. And people are looking for direction versus just resources is really what I'm finding for the ones that, again, they kind of know this stuff. They've heard it. So past the first group we're talking about, but in the second phase of people, yeah. uh, it, it's very interesting. I, I have not seen a lot of people do well with like, here's a true solution versus a, a, a list of resources for you. Right. Hmm. There are a lot of choices, you know, and, and a lot of people get bogged down in which one do I pick or how do I do stuff or whether there's so many different ways to do something, um, you know, but I guess it gets back to, you know, creativity in the podcasting space too. I don't think we want to have everybody using the same tools and using the same process and using the same either, because that's going to stifle creativity. So I think it's yeah, a difficult it, question. You know, it, it's it always used to fret for many, many years about going to a podcaster's website and I, I couldn't subscribe to the show. I had to dig two or three pages and, <laughs> Now it's almost the point where at least I feel for the majority of sites I go to, at least you can find the place to subscribe. It may not be in the, in the optimal place. And and I remember just harping and harping and harping on that for four or five years again and again and again. And it wasn't even just about having an RSS feed. It was, you know, have your link to Apple podcasts and all these other destinations where someone could easily click. And, um, it, it may be the same thing. Maybe it's the same thing. We just, um, I, I know internally at Blueberry, when we do our, our podcast insider, we talk about upcoming events and where we're going to be. And matter of fact, we just adopted a new strategy where we're, where we're using a DAI to insert, you know, event announcements and news and then taking that out. And so that the content yeah. stays a little bit longer tail. Um, but again, not every one of our podcasters listen to the podcast. And then, you know, when we send out the newsletter, we're, we're pretty proud. We have a, you know, like 90,000 people to get that email with about an 18% open rate. 
So I'm pretty happy with the open rate. It's pretty good. Uh, on the, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, it's yeah. great. You know, now if if I look at the click-throughs, then that's a, you know, that's a different story. But at least the open rate is good. So it's like we're trying to get information out there, not only about what we're doing, but at events, announcing about Podcast Movement, about PodFest. And I have my social team working this week, you know, promoting Podcast Movement next week and our meeting links and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, you consider how big the space is, you know, with, let's think about 400,000 active content creators. Uh, how many of those are here in the United States? Then. I think not a lot of times just people are head down doing their shows and they yeah. could care less about. That, that, that's true. That's a good point, actually. Because I, I always think, I'm like, man, why, why don't some of these people, especially the ones that stop, I'm like, why didn't you seek out any help like before you just decided to quit? Like, did you even try? But like, see, again, you, I, I feel like you're probably, and we've talked about this, Todd, like you guys probably have a much lower churn rate than the industry average because you are sending them some form of resource or direction, hopefully it was more directional than just a resource, right? Of like, hey, here's like the right. next thing we'd want you to do. And it probably speaks to the success of your company is the fact that it's not just cool, welcome, don't bother us, right? Like it goes beyond that. It's it, well, you know, and it, it gets, where I'm at a point where it's like nitpicking, you know, like today we had a, we were reviewing something and I basically said, okay, is this the proper next step for a new podcaster that signs up for our service? Is this where, is this the place for them? And we had like this 30, 45 minute discussion about, is this the right location? Because depending on the content creator, if the person's coming in that might be migrating from another service, well, that isn't the right location. If they're a brand new podcaster or the brand new show, maybe they should be here and you know, there's all these things that we have to think about to try to eliminate the, we don't want them to get stuck. We don't want them to get scared of clicking something to, to, to get to that next step. Um, we've always said that getting them to episode one is the biggest challenge. If we don't get them to episode one, they, they will, they're not, they'll cancel after a 30 day trial. So. I don't know. It's just um, some people want educational resources, some don't, but everything wants it in bite chunks. You know, we've changed our whole strategy on YouTube because I'm doing nothing more than like three or four minutes now because I know that people are not going to set through a 15 minute demo. They're just not. They're not going to do it. So the way yeah, people that's... are consuming content now is different than they were where people before would. You know, if if I'd have had the resources that we put together when I started podcasting, man, I, I would have I would have spent five hours going through all of it. But people don't put that type of time in. They want it to be real easy. Let me just get in there. Let me create stuff and let me go and then let me let me go with the rest of my day. And then they get to a certain point, then they graduate up. So it doesn't address what Alex is seeing though, and not having knowledge of events and resources, but. Yeah, I think we see it in the Facebook groups. People ask the same question five times a day. Right. And I actually stopped yeah. going to some Facebook groups because I just got tired of, well, there was always four or five people that were in there that were like, oh, go over to this hosting company and do this and go over to this host. And it ended up being this stupid battle of, of you know, yeah. recommendations. The same questions like every week. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it becomes very, very, very repetitive. And all the hosting platforms care about this stuff because we want to keep the podcasters that sign up with us, right. keep 
yep. going with their shows, not canceling their yep. shows, you know, a month in or something like that. So this mantra of keep podcasting, keep podcasters happy and keep them educated about what's new with their platform and how it works and all this stuff has always been such but, an important piece. But you can tell who has the worst tech support because I'll go back to anchor. Everyone's asking for help about anchor. I'm like, contact Am anchor for help. Right. Don't go, go to their support system and ask. <laughs> well, I, I don't even yeah. know if they have one, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, but yeah, Todd, I mean, I get, Contacted by anchor podcasters. I've been in contact too. with them a lot over the years because yeah. they, they can't get a hold of anybody right. over it. And they call us instead. Oh, we get we right. call Blueberry. But it's not I like they're they're always wanting to jump over and host with you. <laughs> right, right, right. They're just looking for help. Yeah. Right. What are you gonna I say, tried Alex? To help a podcaster on a on on our platform that was using it and they asked they couldn't get a response from their hosting provider. So it was a smaller hosting provider, but I emailed support at because on their website, it said email here. I'm like, cool, I figured it out. I did it and I got like an immediate, like, like wrong email address. I'm like, oh. that's not good. Like, I told them, like, you should probably find another hosting provider. But that leads into to a point I was going to bring up here. And okay, let's think of like some of like the really good podcasters that have been around for 10, 20 years that are like the, the more celebrity status ones, right? Like, I, I immediately think of like Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, Jordan Harbinger, like these guys, right? They've been in it for a long time. Yeah. In 10 years from now, who are the next people who, who reach that level, right? Like who, who are those people? And I'll immediately say, they're not the people asking questions on like, which hosting provider should I switch to next? Right? Like they're not even the ones that are the early adopter of the tools. Like none of those guys talk about being like the first person to test out the new feature that Blueberry offered, right? Or the, the, the first feature that, that Podbean released, right? That they're not the person doing that. They're the one saying, cool, I got my hosting. They're in my corner. They're supporting me. They're there if I need them. But now, what am I going to do for the next seven years to become one of these podcasting people? And I have to imagine we're going to have more people that rise up to that level at some point, but they're not the people asking this stuff, right? Like, it's almost like, like how do you identify that next person in our, who's using the, the tools and services we have that are going to become that next level? That's really what like, interests me these days. Yeah. And I think it's a good, good point from the standpoint, if we think back to the last time that we were involved in a recession or an economic downturn that wasn't related to the pandemic, but if you go back to 2008 or 2009, a lot of the big podcasters today came out of that era um, of when there was a little bit of an economic collapse, there were fewer podcasts, they were, but the audience was continuing to grow. So it was an opportunity. And I think Todd and I have been talking about this on the show for the last few weeks was now's a great time to start great a time. podcast. Yeah. Because if you yeah. think about the historical aspect of this, um, there's fewer shows being started right now. Um, but yet the audiences are continuing to grow. So now's a, a terrific opportunity to start a show. And to become part of that community 10 years from now that um, has reached scale, just like like a John Lee Dumas or any of those folks that got started back in that same time frame, um, Mark Marin, Adam Carolla, um, Joe Rogan started back in the 2009 time frame too. So, mm. so you you think about it, this is a great opportunity time right now. I, I rarely look at my stats or either this show or Geekness Central. Rarely. I just, it's something I, I don't do. And right. I was in there two days ago on Geekness Central. I was like, oh, we, we've seen a bump. And I looked at it and I kind of did, you know, some trending analysis. And I'm like, wow, we're, we're up about 10% over the last 60 days. So 
that that's a big number for a show that's been around 18 years to get a 10% bump in 60 days. And the only thing I can, I haven't done nothing different. The only thing I can attribute it to is potentially less shows out there that are in my genre and people are looking for content. So uh, this show is, it's, it's a, It's your growing popularity on YouTube. No, it's not. <laughs> so oh, we can't gonna... get back into this. I, I heard last week's episode. I can't, we can't get back into that. Uh, well, we, we, we want to talk about the announcement, but you, or the yeah, non-announcement yeah. that you well, two made. But... Yeah. It's more official now. It's like, yeah, you know, we, we've been talking about a little bit for a while. But, so, um, you know, I, what are the other things you're hearing from podcasters, Alex? I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. So uh, again, those are kind of like some of the, the big ones. The, the other thing I consistently hear is how do I monetize? And you all mentioned that one, right? Or how do I grow my download numbers? Because everyone always just assumes the only option that exists is advertising. So right. like, they're like, how do I monetize? Oh, it's ads. And then, okay, then how do I grow my download numbers? But not saying that's not a way to do it, but in general, like when you have a podcast, it's about, about like, um, I don't know, training dogs. And then you, you throw an anchor ad in there. Like, Hey, you've even think about starting a podcast. Like it, it <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, you're never going to make real money doing that. Like, and I'm not trying, like, it sounds so totally rude when I say it, but I'm like, why is that where your mind goes? Like, what have you ever consumed that you're like, oh yeah, I'm trying to learn how to be a better dog owner. And now I'm going to go ahead and start a podcast. Like they're mm -hmm. not related. And I just hear people continuously go around this vicious cycle of more downloads, more downloads, more sponsors, more sponsors. And again, that isn't an option, but like the, the Here's the thing, like the best podcasters and the ones that seem to be doing the best financially, they have their own product or service that they've gone out and developed usually after they build an audience and they take years and time to do it or they had something pre-existing and they're not like, oh, can I throw 10 more ads in there? It, it, that's something that's really been bothering me. And I find the culture of podcasting is getting more and more like money and high numbers like driven, which in the reality, that's never been what it's about. It's about having your audience. And Todd, you have like the best story I've ever heard about you never know who's listening. Right. Listen, if Steve, if Steve Jobs is listening to your podcast, I don't care if you have a million people listening. That's right. Like that's, that one listener is better than the million, right? Right. Anyway, I know I'm <laughs> ranting here a little bit, but that's something I've really been like getting bothered by and not sure how to retrain because everything I'm going to say goes against the big downloads and the, the advertisers. You know, I, it, it's, how do you attack that one? Well, uh, it's right? it's <laughs> it's pretty straightforward, you know. And I, I think yeah. we have to start changing the mindset. And how how do we how do we change the mindset? We have to we have to change the mindset that says, listen, and if you're doing a show that is not super niche, you have to build an audience. You have to build a big audience in order to really get in the big bucks. It's the same thing on YouTube. You got to build a big audience. Um, if you don't build a big audience, then you need to have an engaged audience that is willing to potentially go into this model that, that I've been hammering and that others have been hammering here for the past six months is this value for value model. And you don't always get value back. Um, but what is that reason? Well, maybe I didn't engage people enough and didn't give enough value. So. I think that we have to be multi multifaceted. I, I've had a PayPal on my website for years. And what is it? It probably pays the writing salary of one of my writers. You know, I probably get that much in um, revenue from that to, to pay the salary of one, of one writer. Not doesn't pay the rent, um, but it pays for one writer. Um, so 
I, I think it's a combination of things. And, but boy, I tell you, people are so, we have to quit thinking about the money from day one. Uh, it can be a goal. Um, you know, it, it was a goal of mine when I arrived back in Honolulu after starting the show in Texas and, you know, I'm spending 500 bucks a month to keep the show on the air because there was no hosting accounts and got the finger put in my chest. It said, you, you, yeah. you've got two years to figure out how to make this work. But I was spending $500 a month in uh, $2,004. So, you know, that to keep the show online, um, thank God it, you know, now it's, you know, 20 bucks and we're good. So right. yeah, it was a lot more expensive in the early days to, to do this. And yeah. it was much more technically challenging too, which is why you had a lot of geeks involved That's in podcasting right. in the early days because it was hard. I mean, I had to build my own server infrastructure in the early days of this because there weren't any hosting. Thank, thank God we don't have to do right. that anymore. So, right. you know, and we don't want to have to go back to the stone age again and be the, you know, and, and remind people, oh, we're gonna, we had to walk uphill both ways to, you know, do our podcast, you know, snow is 18 feet deep. RSS feeds. <laughs> you right. know, you know, it's so, funny. I love how people complain. They're like $20 a month for hosting you're like you have no idea kid right like well yeah. i don't hear people complain about hosting no, costs no more me 10 either. years ago oh yeah oh my god your service is 12 dollars. what what yeah. you know yeah. add-on services make more cheaper. money than we do it's actually gotten cheaper because of inflation <laughs> well you know add-on service i, I laugh haven't gone up that much hosting right. hosting providers have not raised their prices right yet all these other services are coming in at much higher cost per month. Yep. If you're using any type of AI thing, 40 bucks a month, you're using any type of recording system like Riverside, Squadcast, any of those, $20 a month. You know, you're doing, it's all these things. It's like, oh, well, in, the hosting bill is 20 bucks and okay. You know, potentially. The, companies too, you know, right, like a right. script, whatever. Yep. Those are subscription models too. So, so. Yeah. I had a comment there. Um, I, I talked to Jordan Harbinger recently and just asked him, it was like a, a live thing. And I was just like, Hey man, like if you were to start a podcast today and you don't have any reputation, any name, what would you do? And his number one piece of advice I thought was gold. And he said, keep it a hobby as long as you possibly can. There you go. And he said, if you start off saying this is a business, you're going to get burnout faster yeah. than if you just enjoy the craft that you're doing. Yeah. And I think that that's gold advice and people quit so fast because they're like, I'm supposed to make money with this. It's not making money. I'm out of here. Uh, or I'm supposed to get famous. I'm not famous yet, so I'm out of here. And it, and I found that time and time again. It's it's like go okay, go build a YouTube channel. And matter of fact, I and I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this. I've been seriously thinking about building a YouTube channel to see, just to see. And I don't. I'm call me nuts. The podcast isn't going anywhere. But I thought I might try to build a YouTube channel to see if I can get to that magic 4,000 listen hours per year and how, how long it would take me to build that channel. I would suspect that if I went at it as hard as I did with my podcast in the early days, probably two years. It would probably take me two years if I'm publishing at least once a week, probably better twice a week on YouTube to get to the point where I would be able to monetize on YouTube if I didn't say the wrong thing and then got deplatformed. So I, I really, cause you know, look at the small numbers that get monetized on YouTube and then people are expecting immediately to get monetized. Matter of fact, they can, you know, 
we've made it possible. Libsyn's made it possible. Another other company, Vox's or Speaker Speakers, made it possible. People can monetize from day one, but you know those checks are when well, they're not. You don't get a check when you earn a dollar eighty-five. You know we make you get to 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 fifty. I think twenty or fifty before we write you a check. So. Yeah, and that can take time. Can take time too, but we can monitor. Matter of fact, I heard a H and R block ad on the front of this show just before we started. As I was testing a couple of things, so tis the season. You know, get your taxes done. So, and they gave the local telephone number for the H and R block here in town, which blew me away. So that was some pretty good geo targeting. Cool. You know, um, if I could go back to one more thing you sure. talked about, this is kind of like my my last real point I ha- I wanted to, to talk about. But you talked about finding a niche like that, that helps a lot, right? You can find somebody who can sponsor and stuff. But I was recently at a podcaster meetup that was here in Jacksonville, Florida, and they brought up, they said, anyone who's a a new podcaster or been podcasting for less than six months come up. And of course, it's, it's the mass majority of everybody there, right? And so they just said, hey, you got 30 seconds, tell us what your podcast is about. And half of them said, oh, yeah, it's super specific. It's for anyone in business or breathing or likes life. And then like the next one, they're like, oh, yeah, it's really specific. It's only for people between the ages of one and 500. Right. Like it just kept on going. Like that's not really what they said. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating. But all of them, I'm like, you just said it's for anyone who likes to laugh. Like what? Like, and that was like a legitimate one that someone said. And I wasn't being judgmental saying that. Right, but I'm right. like, no one understands how to actually pick a niche because you're just saying, oh, it's super specific. I'm like, but it's not. And the thing is, all these these apps that we listen to and even search engines to find podcasts, they're getting smarter. But it's not getting smarter when you say, I have the podcast about everything for everybody, right? right? It, it knows if you're like, hey, I have the one podcast for people who live in Florida who like to surf but are also entrepreneurs. Like that's like an actual specific <laughs> podcast. Now, yeah, what's hard about that is that the ideal um, niche, or niche to get into is a, is a um, large niche, right? <laughs> well, and that's, that's, that's sometimes hard to, to identify, right? Not I mean, everyone can right. be a neurosurgeon and reach neurosurgeons. Right. Not everyone can be a orthodontist surgeon. You know, so those types of shows are niche high value shows. So what am I? I I'm a podcaster. What was I before? I, I, I worked on airplanes. So maybe an airplane niche would be great, but I don't work on airplanes anymore. So again, it's this this niche that is some a niche has got to be a valuable niche. If you're a dog trainer of Dobermans, specifically Dobermans, right? And you 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 train show dog Dobermans. That's a niche, and you're going to have a thousand or fifteen hundred Doberman listeners, and that is a great niche to be in. Um, and that might be as many people as you attract to your podcast. It could be, that, that would be the, too, might right? be nationwide. It might be 20 per state or something or 50 per state that raise, you know, show Dobermans, you know, it, 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 again, it all depends on the, the content, you know, financial podcasts are a dime a dozen, uh, for sure. Um, but I, I think then again, it's like, I would like to listen to it. I'm getting, okay. I'm a little older now. And guess what I'm starting to think about? I'm starting to think about, you know, the future potentially retiring at some point in the next 10 years, right? So what Don't am I starting? Don't you dare, Todd. Don't you dare. Okay, I, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I won't. But, you know, so what am I listening to? I'm listening to, I'm listening to shows now that are options about 
you know, when's the right time to turn your social security on? And I'm not close. I, just for the record, I'm 58. I've got it. I've got my, my age is 67 for being able to draw full amount. So I'm not doing nothing to 67, but it is, it's that type of stuff that I'm starting to educate myself on deeper than I've never, I've never cared. You know, I'm sure I have investments. I have, you know, that, you know, the, the, uh, the Dow, the guy that manages my portfolio takes care of that. I just send a check. So I'm starting to pay a little more attention to that kind of stuff. So I think it's really age specific and I don't know, those types of shows for me right now are a little yeah, more valuable. And that might be a, a really large niche um, as well, Todd, because there's baby boomers that are all coming through retiring. I mean, I think in the next 10 years, yeah. there's going to be more people retiring that are actually, then actually are working in the workforce. Right. So, I'm, I'm the last year of a boomer. I was born in 64. So God, that's a long time ago, wasn't it? Um, so I'm the last of the boomers. Um, but it, it's, I don't know. I just, I'm, we're at a point now where here's, here's the, here's the, your baby's ugly conversation. You, you got to grind. You, you got to put content out. You got to put good content out. And this show has not always got good content. Some are just talking. But you have to grind and be there every week. And you have to put content out. And you have to do all the... They're not going to find you by just putting content out. And right, it, That's it, not it, enough anymore. And I think the biggest challenge is... The, I changed what I was asking podcasters about six months ago. I, I kept, I started asking the, what I asked for years, what's your show about? Now I ask him, what's your goal? So That's now right. I'm asking, what's your goal? What's the purpose of what you're trying yeah, to do? Is, is, the, is the goal authority? Is the goal monetization? Is the goal to have a lead magnet? Well, what is the goal of the show? And if you, and also I've been asking more too around, well, what's the synergy with your, your life and your career and your interests? Um, those are all factors that have to be thought about too. Cause if they don't map to that, you're not going to keep doing it. Right. So, you know, what is in, if you know what the goal is, then it's easy to shape what the show is. Mm -hmm. You know, if the goal is to build authority, then what do you do? You become the person that is the foremost expert on the topic that you're talking about. And then what are you going to, you know, if the goal is authority, my goal, believe it or not, in the early days was I wanted to get press credentials to CES and other events like that. Cause as geek, I wanted to go geek out and look at all this cool stuff at trade shows. That was the goal. Yeah. I remember when po podcasters couldn't get press credentials couldn't get at, it. at events. Cause it, yeah, I had to show up with a um, a print off of an article that I'd written for my blog. Right, that's what got me in, not my podcast. And they're like, "What? What?" You know. So the goal for me was to build authority and get right. and have access to this nerd stuff. You know. So, yeah. um, the the missus made the goal the money. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because you know, everyone's time. got boats, right? Everyone's got a thousand, you know, you, you got a boat, you throw another thousand at it, right? Well, podcasting was throw another 500 at it every month. Yeah. <laughs> so in the goal, the second, you know, and then that just, I just, you know, was the right place at the right time, got lucky. But even today, it's like, they're still here. 
You know, there's still spots from the show. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, holy crap. Thank God. You know, <laughs> I'm surprised that the company's still around, Todd. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, you know, they're not going anywhere soon, but it's, know, it's like, know, but... you know, I was a little low on my performance numbers last but... month. They told the, told the audience, holy crap. You yeah, guys got you guys got to step it up or they're going to fire me. We have a couple months like that. <laughs> I think that there's a higher chance that the company will go out of business before they stop sponsoring you. Oh, I, you no. know, Hey, <laughs> okay. That's bad karma, dude. So, uh, no, you don't count your no, chicken. It's not. It's, it speaks to your, your consistency and your appeal. Right. So but, it'll be the, you know, some new hosting company will come in and sponsor well, you. Well, potentially, but you know, for now we got to keep the numbers going. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it's one of those things where I, I guess, I don't know. I, I grew up with a family that was uh, self-employed and the last person to get paid was my father. He paid all the employees. My mom had to work to put shoes on our feet sometimes because the employees were getting paid in the machinery had to be fueled and fixed. And, um, my dad was the last one to get paid. So I, when my philosophy has always been, you know, it's like take care of the team and move everything forward and you got to work, you got to grind to make things happen. And maybe people just don't have the same dedication. I think yeah, it's, nope. uh, patience. I don't, Go ahead, Alex. What, what were you going to share? That's exactly where I was going to go with it. I mean, consistency wins. I saw this really great like diaphragm that was like talking about the results that we want, but consistency is what it is what brings you there, right? Like eventually, that you cross that line, but it takes consistency first. And when I was talking to what I, I call this, I'm doing air quotes here, the actively established podcaster, which is a podcast with more than 120 episodes, it's never missed a week, right? Like those people. I, I actually talked to a hundred of them because. I talked to almost a thousand people who had stopped podcasting. I was like, well, maybe I should talk to the flip side. Right. And I was really shocked with the number one thing that the, it was 70% of the people I talked to, because I was documenting this as I went ahead at set questions. And 70% of them said the same thing, that it's their own, their own motivation being determined, being devoted to the process that was the number one contributing factor of the show's success. Not getting the sponsor, not getting the downloads up, not having even the best systems in place, although all those things are part of it. But the, the, the number one thing was the fact they said, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to quit until I do it. And that was, again, 70% of people that have actually, I'll say they, they're not be the most successful podcasters in the world, but they have truly made it and proven that they're not mm -hmm. going to quit tomorrow. Like we can see that through their data. That was so right. interesting to me. I didn't expect to learn that. I, you know, I, I, get, I get pissed on when I tell podcasters, do not listen to advice of content consultants that are telling you to do seasons you if you do seasons and i said this a thousand times and it was, it, those that listen to the show know what i'm going to say if season one ends on friday season two better begin on monday that's right there's no breaks for the first two years no breaks if 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 your goal is to build a big show if your goal is to build a big show if it's not then take your break and don't complain that you're not able to monetize you're not able to build a big audience so, yeah, I wasn't a big fan with the adoption of this concept of seasons, um, ever. Um, but you know, I know that there's a place for some content creators that are doing storytelling podcasts yeah. that have a lot of heavy production and they have to window the production versus the publishing of content. But, but Rob, I think that those are rare programs, but that, those programs usually have yeah. a team, right? 
You so, know, so the quality probably across the board is going to be much higher to begin with. Right. It's a different level. We're talking about one man shops or one person shops, excuse me. You know, it's, it's, it's the sales manager, yep. talent, editor, you know, all those things that. And I think the reason a lot of content creators don't make it is because they don't have a discussion with their partner before they start. They get Hold this, oh. they get this yeah. hair, harebrained idea. I'm going to do a podcast. And all of a sudden they're spending five hours a week on the show and their partner goes, what are you doing? So uh, always, there's, Oh, go, go, ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, I was at the, on air fest in Brooklyn, uh, earlier. And I mentioned it earlier, but, um, I met a couple of people at the event that um, their entry point into podcasting was not like you would imagine. Um, their entry point into podcasting was from being a, like a journalism student or something like that, that got into podcasting to work for a, a particular podcast to produce and host one episode of one podcast. And then they would go do that for another podcast. Mm. Um, so they're coming in and producing, just producing one episode. And, and there's a group of people that are getting involved in the medium that that's their entry point into podcasting is they get hired to do a one project. Um, they're not starting their own podcast. They're not producing anything. They're not doing all the work themselves. All they're doing is very specific tasks. And this gets back to the, the changes in the medium right now around how podcasts are being produced especially on the more professional side um, that, that it's fragmented work that is going into producing these things. And it's not so much a podcaster that does everything in, in, anymore. And that's, that's, that's a little bit of the reason why I like to go to those kind of events, because those, those events like the on air fest, whatever that focuses on just audio production, think about the medium differently than we do. So we've had a couple of comments I've been ignoring here. I just didn't look over. Um... Rick says fortune and fame are the wrong reasons for doing this. Tim, a good uh, buddy of mine who is a retired Navy, says, I remember when Todd started this in, in Texas. Rick says, those little checks come with large strings attached sometimes. Yes, that's true. Those some, But with programmatic, there's no strings. You just do your show and it, the advertising just shows up. Uh, Tom is with us today. Tom Webster says, start working on the Help Todd Retire podcast. Well. Uh, you know, here's the thing when people retire and sit in their uh, rocking chairs within six months, they're dead. So, uh, no retirement for me anytime too. Rob's mic is fine. is turned up finally. Well, yes, we kind of figured something out. So we're, uh, I think we're good. I think for a little while anyway, wow. until I make a setting change. Uh, anyway, yeah. that's what's come in from the, from the, uh, from the face, the face bag, uh, comment section. We do appreciate everyone. So it's, oh, Dave Jones, 25,000 sats. Lynn node just went up 20%. Okay. I don't know what that is. I know what Lynn node is, but why did it go up? Oh, the price went up 20%. Oh, lovely. Um, Brian of London, uh, 1940. I tried to get wherever you get your podcast.com, but somebody already has it listing lit via Pod ping on Podverse in Israel. So uh, Brian of London, thanks for uh, for tuning in and listening live today. 
So, so Alex, uh, do you have any other um, contributions from your research that you want to share with us and we can talk about, or, or is that yeah. at the end of your list? I mean, the, I feel like the list is endless at this point. <laughs> Me knowing what to do with that list is a different story, right? Um, right. But, you know, you just brought up, it's funny that, that Todd, you immediately, or maybe it was you, Rob, who mentioned that the not talking with your spouse, right? Like, yeah. or your significant other. And the, the number two thing that uh, when I pulled these top 100 podcasters, it was actual conversations, I should say. Uh, the number two thing was they said having a proper life and podcasting balance. Right. Like actually figuring out that, which means talking through that stuff and not not being in the basement for 12 hours editing a, an episode that's one hour long, right? Like yeah. figuring out what that looked like. We're not spending $100 a month, which would be, I think, very high for a new podcaster to be yeah. spending. But people t- like contribute to that. And then the third thing, it went straight down to what we talked about, which was the consistency in which you release, like your dedication to the process of seeing podcasting through. Those were by far the top three things for, and these are indie podcasters. I made sure to reach out to people that weren't B2B podcasts. Like these are just, hey, I love this. I'm passionate. And this is why I do it, right? And it's so interesting that those are the top three things. And when you just look at who leaves, it's the exact opposite, right? They're, they're thinking like money first. And then they're thinking about how can I like grind this out for all of eternity to make it work really fast. And then they're not actually thinking about consistency because they give up in a couple of weeks. And just seeing that again makes me like wonder how can we connect with the podcaster that has the right mindset before it's too late? Like, and Todd, I think you do a really good job about that. And uh, Rob, I've not heard you talk about it as much, but I know that you probably understand the idea of it, right? But like, how do we actually, as podcasters who are listening to this as well, like someone who just has maybe a hundred episodes, like how do you take someone's hand that's episode three that clearly has the right perspective and mindset and say, Hey, let's get you to 20 episodes or 25 episodes so we can just keep you going. And that for me, like when being an industry guy, right. With my softwares, I'm always wondering like, how do I meet podcasters earlier in their game so I can help them get to the point where they're more or less self-sustaining and they're not going to disappear just because there's no one there holding their hand. Right. I know that brings our conversation full circle about like guiding someone instead of giving resources, but that like those stats I just talked about, like that I learned from these podcasters and like that problem is what keeps me up at night for lack of a better term. Uh, I, I think the question to ask a new content creator is, do you have the ability to talk about this topic that you're going to do for two years every week? Are you, are you going to be able to talk about this for two? Do you have enough passion to talk about this topic for, and if they're picking a show where it's a hundred percent driven by interviews, I think that's destined for failure. I, I think they have to have enough of a base of information on their own about the topic at hand. Because what you look at these shows that are long term, they know their topic. They love it. They're passionate about it. They probably talk about it when they're drinking beer with their buddies. Their friends that they hang out with are all around this type of circle of the genre of content. You, you, you go to, to Comic-Con. They, they are, I mean, like Dragon Con, and they, they are dedicated to their craft. They hang out and party and, and community build based upon maybe one character of some anime. And you look, and they can talk for hours about that particular either series of television stuff. They have, it's, it's, it goes back purely to passion. And those that yeah. shop for categories, I feel they're destined to fail. 
It's a great example. My goodness, that's powerful, man. I took some notes on that. You you have to, you got to have, okay, so why did, why has Geek News Central survived 18 years? Well, I didn't have to do hardly any prep. There was new news every week. And I love technology. I love talking about it. I'm not an expert, but I, some, and I'm science. That's kind of cool too. So it was enough that kept, and I told my audience, I said, when I quit having fun, I'm quitting. I don't care about the sponsors, but I'm going to quit when I don't have fun no more. So I think part of it is about having fun in the show with the show. The show too. It's got to be something that you have a long-term interest in Yeah, that you're, you're willing to keep that flame alive in your life. And and sometimes it, it just, it's so obvious to people where their passions are and where their interests are that it just makes sense to find some way to create content around that because there's others that will have similar passions to you. The question gets back to is how many others have similar passions right. that you have. And you can't uh, fake it till you make it. Sorry. Right. That, that's a term I hate. You can't fake it till you make it. You have to be genuine from the get-go. You may not be very good. But you at least have to be genuine. Yeah, it's like this show, Todd, is also a good example of what we're talking about, too. I mean, this is very singularly focused on podcasting, right? Right. And and how that works and the dynamics of it. And we've evolved this show, too, to talk a lot more about kind of the psychology of podcasting and not so much the, I think when we started, we we were very nuts and bolts about gear and equipment and and We never talk about any of that stuff anymore. Except when right. stuff's it's, broke. Yeah, it's all about. <laughs> so you started you know, off talking about it a little bit. A little <laughs> right, bit. right, <laughs> right. It's all, yeah. And because podcasters, um, generally the successful podcasters do have a little bit of geek in them. Um, else they wouldn't be able to figure all this stuff out. Um, and that's the challenge that I see a lot is there are folks that want to get into podcasting that are, just don't have a lot of technical skills. And, and they, those are the folks that struggle. The ones that can't figure out what an RSS feed is are sometimes the, the most difficult people to work with. If you're trying to help someone, there should be a 500 question test that we give to anyone that wants to claim the title of consultant. Right. Uh, my, my support team God bless them. Whenever someone calls, I'm calling on behalf of someone. I'm a podcast consultant for, they just, they almost want to hang up the phone. Right. Invariably, the consultants only know about editing. And at least once a week, we have a consultant cause a podcaster near extinction events by doing something like, oh, we're going to move you off this type. We're going to move you from, Squarespace to WordPress or WordPress to Squarespace, or we're going to move you to, and you know, they just move them and they say, Oh, by the way, my podcast isn't working no more. Like, yeah, you killed your feed, you know, and just things like that. It's just, Oh my God. So vet, you know, we just have to keep telling these new folks, vet your consultants. It's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. I had a consultant the other day call. They're starting up consultant air quotes, right? um call and uh they're like hey uh so i'm starting a podcast for my client and which that sounds professional i've never had this call before this was a first so it's funny that you mentioned that like yeah we're trying to decide if the podcast should be more about his business or his life i just looked at her and i was like what what is what what, you said you were the you were what she's like i'm his podcast consultant i'm like 
you don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> so yes, there should be a little bit more barrier of entry. Cause my next question I didn't ask, I want to be like, is he paying you? Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, there, there should be a bit, bit more like, just be everybody like, be wary of that. Like, yeah. especially if you have a podcast, I haven't reached out to someone like, Hey, are you looking for some like coaching to improve your podcasting? And I'm, I'm like, not really. Like, and also do you have one? Because that's <laughs> step one. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's, I think if you're in we just have to do the best job we can in trying to get folks that are indie podcasters. And this show may not be completely for an indie podcaster because we cover the full range, but we care about the indie podcasters, but we talk about every topic, but there's a, there's a, you know, Dave Jones, you know, he does a great job with school podcasting. There's lots of great resources out there, but you know, we're all kind of nerds. So and this show may not be always appropriate for beginner podcasters that's, either. That's true. Uh, because, you know, I've had this said to me before too, um, from people that are new to podcasting that, you know, I recommend our show to go check out and they go, let's do it. And they, they tell me, um, half the stuff you talk about that show, you, you don't know, understand. on that show, I don't even know what you're talking right. about. So, uh, it's, it, it sometimes can be a little over, over beyond people's where they are you know, in yep. the entry point into podcasting. So there are other shows that maybe might be more conducive to a beginner podcaster, like the school of podcasting with Dave Jackson or, or what one of those shows are, you know, the show that Alex does, um, yep. it might be a better one. Right. Do we want to take a few minutes and talk about the YouTube yeah. stuff? Yeah. So you were there, Rob, and was. let me, let me back up. And did you get a sense that they are going to require ad-free content going into their system. Well, let me back up. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I can tell you what their um, what the only real option that they have is, and that's to have ad-free content going into their platform. Because if they're going to re-host the media files, yeah, and sell advertising into those shows on behalf of the content creator. I don't think they're going to want to have a bunch of duplicate ads in there because if they, uh, if they capture a snapshot, a download off of our servers and that show has a bunch of dynamic ad inserted content in it, um, that's going to be permanently in the podcast. So it's going to be a mess if they do it that way. Um, so really the only option is for them to get ad free content and, and it, it may likely be that the baked in ads will pass. And we'll be okay. Um, that is yet to be determined. But I mean, just logically, it doesn't make sense for them to keep a bunch of episodes that have a bunch of old ads in them and then, then layer in more ads on top of that. It doesn't make any sense. So. Do you think people are disappointed that this is specifically going to be for YouTube music? Well, I, I do think that there's been some map of mapping that's happened um, between what Google did with Google play music, um, and concerns that somehow that might burn out like it did with Google play music. Uh, I think that there's some concern that maybe if, uh, YouTube had decided to have a YouTube podcasting app, that that might be a more successful strategy versus a integrating podcast into the music app, which is what others have tried. And it has been a little bit less successful, but, um, I also know that the YouTube music app, um, has about 80 million users, uh, globally right now, which is a good number, but, but you have to think about, well, how many of those users are in the U S 
um, because it is going to be rolled out in the U.S. first only. Um, so maybe, what, half maybe are in the U.S.? So you're talking about a platform that has 40 million users, which is like half the size of GeoSavan out of India, right? So, so, right. so here's where my confusion is. This is YouTube music. That's YouTube music right there. That is not YouTube. Right. And so what happens if you have, let's say, okay, let's say, let's think ahead five weeks or whatever it is. And we're populating YouTube music. Will our content surface in YouTube search? Well, they did say that there was going to be cross links between the the podcasts that were listed in the YouTube music app and podcasts that were video oh. in, in YouTube. So they, they were going to cross link into those programs. So you, you could bounce back and forth between the traditional YouTube experience and the, the audio only version of the so YouTube experience. So if you do not have a YouTube channel, you're going to be in YouTube music so alone and if you have a youtube channel already and you somehow get these linked mm -hmm. you can have your audio version on youtube music and your video version on youtube correct yep i think that was my understanding i think that i hate to say it i hate i think that's a good strategy but i think what's going to yeah. happen is podcasters are going to be pissed off when they submit their shows to YouTube music and then over on YouTube searching for that content and not finding it because it's on YouTube music. I think there's going to be a bit of a wake up call because those Unless, are less. And we don't know the answer to this, that when you do a search in traditional YouTube, that it, it comes up with a search result that links to podcasts that are in the music app, which yep. would make sense for them to do that. All right. So let's do a little experiment here. Taylor Swift is right up on front on, on, uh, on, uh, right up on front on, on YouTube music. And I'm going to just search for Taylor Swift. Boy, I knew what I was going to type. Well, they do have a tab at the top, Todd, that says podcast. So, okay. So, but if we look at Taylor Swift on regular YouTube, Mm-hmm. I see her music. Right. I can subscribe to Taylor Swift music. Am I subscribing to Taylor Swift YouTube channel or am I subscribing to Taylor Swift YouTube music? I would think it's currently probably just going going to the the, the YouTube all right, channel. let me turn the volume down so we don't play YouTube, uh, Taylor Swift, and get a matter of fact, I'm going to stop so the video doesn't get us a copyright violation. Because boy, oh boy, you get one with her in a hurry. Um, yeah, that's going to regular th YouTube. This is their page, but I'm looking here on her official YouTube page or channel. Mm -hmm. And do I do, how do I get to her YouTube music? I don't see a way to get there from here. You would think I if you wanted to listen to her on YouTube music, there would be an opportunity to go to YouTube music from here. It does not yeah, I think look. That's a, that's a reasonable expectation. Maybe it's not something they've deployed yet. If that's they haven't, if they haven't done it for YouTube music, they're not going to do it for a podcast. 
It's an interesting question, Todd. They didn't answer all the questions. You know, I got up and got a got a microphone, and I was going to ask them a bunch of questions while they were up on stage. But uh, I was the like the last one that um, had the opportunity to speak, and they ran out of time on taking questions. So I I didn't get a chance to get a lot of those answered. Let me publicly. make sure I'm still alive. I'm still alive so, on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't play nothing, but you know, just the video image alone was almost enough to <laughs> trigger right. something. Um, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not confident that I fully understand what they're gonna. I mean, even if I did, I, you know, understand under an NDA or something. But I'm not under any kind of NDA sure. here. But but I also don't want to um, set expectations about what they're gonna do because I frankly just don't know for sure. And I'm not sure that all these decisions have been made because a lot of them are. They're three weeks away from launching this thing. Well, I, yeah, I realize that, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's the other question here is that I don't think that the communication approach that they've taken with this was from, let me say it nicely. Um, wasn't really well thought out from the standpoint of communicating to the content community. So um, they essentially did a presentation and didn't have their shit together. Excuse well, my like, French. I mean, let's let let's say it frankly. They they rolled this out at an invite only event of two hundred people. So, and it and it felt like you know getting any information out from that event was going to be fairly exclusive to a couple of media channels. Um, so I was able to sneak a video out, but I was the only <laughs> one that was able to sneak a video out of that event. So, you know, I'm not sure that that communication strategy was really all that all that. Um, I guess in, in, in tune with the market. So was there a bunch of people puckered up kissing YouTube's butt there? Or what was the, what, what was the vibe? Yeah, I would say that that's true. Yeah. I think that the, (laughs) the organizers of, of the event were definitely happy that they were there announcing their big announcement. But but what was, okay. Of course that's a, that's a big win. No, no, no bust on them, but was the attendees there, was it the new fishing lure spinning in the water? Yeah, I think that's been the perception of, <laughs> of YouTube for a while now. They're like the big fish that everybody is, you know, thinking is going to get in the medium, but most people misunderstand YouTube's actual yeah. level of participation in this medium because and, people have seen the research saying that it's the number two uh, platform for discovering new podcasts, but it actually it's not. <laughs> well, don't, that's what don't, tell, don't tell Tom Webster that, Tom. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, all you have to do is look at the content that's in YouTube on the video side. Yeah. And most of that stuff looks like a podcast, sounds like a podcast, but when you actually look at it and look it up in Apple Podcasts, there's no podcast for that show. Don't eat me, so, Tom Webster. Right. So <laughs> there, that's the reality of this. I'm not saying that that's a big problem. I mean, I think from a listener perspective, they're going to perceive what they perceive and they have every right to perceive all the shows on YouTube as being podcasts, but that doesn't make it true. So here's, here's my prediction. Everyone's going to be very excited about the new shiny lure and they're going to get their shows over on YouTube music. And then they're going to realize that YouTube music is its own platform and it's not YouTube traditional YouTube and yeah, they may get some listens on YouTube music. That's great. But if there isn't an interconnect, a tight interconnect between YouTube and YouTube music, 
this is going to be a big nothing burger. In my personal opinion, I might be wrong, but we will see. Well, I think it has potential, Todd, and and I think that's what we need to stay focused on. But I, I think the biggest part that I'm concerned about is breaking the um, the dynamic ad insertion models oh, that that's... Are, have, have been growing and building in the medium for for the last five to six years. Um, and this could be like a Pandora's box that uh, YouTube well, opens up to say, you know, um, and because Spotify could make that choice too, where they could say, well, we're going to cache all the content now. Right. So, and so all the ads have to come out and what they're going to, the and, and although, and you're going to go over there, you're going to take your ads out. Maybe again, speculation, nothing said yeah, yet. And, Not all the hosts are going to be willing to do that. And then your our 90-minute new media show on YouTube will get broken into five times to run a YouTube ad in the middle of the content. And we will get paid zero. This is my prediction because we don't have 4,000 listening minutes, hours, on YouTube Music. Now, maybe the deal on YouTube Music is going to be different. Maybe Rev Share will happen immediately. But with their everyone's record of how they take care of artists, psh, do you think they're going to care about podcasters? We have no leverage. Well, I just wish that they had talked to the community more before they Rob. They, they know everything. To, right, they're, they're YouTube. Right, because there is a way of doing this, wow. um, but it's but it's not the way that they're taking right now. Well, you know, when uh, Libsyn made their first deal with Spotify, they could have done a little better job with them too, but what did Spotify do? They end up greasing everyone up and bending us over. So, Well, at uh, least we all, in the end, because of pressure <laughs> from places like Libsyn and Spreaker, because that's where I was at then, yeah. was Spreaker putting pressure on them to say, you know, sorry, pass through, you know, yep. It's just not acceptable for us to so, have you, um, host it. the same thing happened to Facebook too. So to some degree. the big groups, they have big shows. They're going to go over there and immediately be monetized by YouTube music. They're going to get, they're going to get their rev. Just, they're going to have to provide ad free stuff, but little minions, peons, independent content creators. My prediction is, aren't going to get Jack. That's my, I hope I'm wrong. Please. I hope I'm wrong. YouTube prove me wrong. Well, I think the big question is how does the content community want to react to this? Are they going to support the hosts in resisting this? No. Or are they going to run around and say like they did with Spotify to say, Oh, I, I have to be in Spotify. I don't care about Apple. I don't care. And then totally force the platforms to, you, to cave into what these big platforms want. You know, they are because the uh, podcasters, all they can hear is YouTube. Right. So I think it's going to have the same. I hope they just take RSS feeds and, and be done with well, it. Well, they are going to take RSS feeds in some, at some content. point. No, no, I mean to get the content. So you'll give the RSS feed to them. Yeah. They'll, they'll pull the new episodes into YouTube yep. from that RSS feed, but it's, that's, it's going to be a one download for each episode scenario. Right. But, and, and maybe the terms of services, you're going to have to provide a clean show. So you're going to have to have a, a right. completely custom RSS feed for YouTube alone. 
And I've heard some of the hosts say we're not doing it. Really? Sure. Oh, well, I, I think that, you know, if we don't want this to happen, we have to all be willing to stand up. Well, say, no, I think, I no. think people learned. There's a I lot think, of power in all these hosts. We, we host a lot of podcasts. Okay. Okay. Rob, when you get 25 emails a day I, from podcasters saying, I need to provide YouTube an RSS feed that is clean. Yep. How come you're not doing that? I'm going to go somewhere else where I can. That is what's going to happen. Well, so that's, that's what we have to encourage the podcaster community to not do. Uh, that's, that's, but, but you and I both know it doesn't always work out that way. No, not at all. Right. So Alex, what's your thought on this? Um, I mean, how do you think the content community should react to what YouTube is proposing here? Well, first off, I have to say, I love, this is an honor to be here. Like I love being like in the room while this is happening virtually, obviously this is just a dream come true for me. So I can check off another bucket list thing for Alex and podcasting, but, um, you know, so what I think people should do, I'd first like to talk about what I think they'll do and podcasters like most digital or whatever online creators, we love shiny objects. So I think people are going to jump onto it one way or another just to do it. But I'm, I'm leaning more toward what Todd was saying that we're not going to see what we think we're going to see just like we never do. And I'm not trying to like be a podcasting doomsday guy, but like there's very few things that like that anyone tries like, oh my gosh, this was truly the silver bullet. How did this happen? Right? Like how rare is that? And so I, I, while y'all were talking, I went and looked at my podcasting stats, which I never do. So it's been a long time. I actually learned something from them. (laughs) And I also went to YouTube and looked at my YouTube stats because our podcast is produced high quality video it's not just an interview like it's it's done well has a nice intro and stuff and then the podcast my podcast in the last 30 days is 20 i don't have it up anymore but it's 29,000 and change downloads listens whatever that is and the youtube channel was one 1200 and change and and we don't promote one over the other so i'm like I'm not going to, me personally, as an indie creator myself, I am not going to put all, nothing against YouTube. I'll, I'll try it all, sure, maybe. But I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket where clearly it's not working. Now, if those stats were flipped, I'd be like, heck yes, right. this is the answer. But for me, with whatever percentage difference that is, I can't bring myself to go look at that shiny object and go after it because I, I don't know that it's going to be there. And if, if I could go back a little bit, to, you guys remember when um, podcasters first started talking about TikTok. If your podcast is not on TikTok, it is not ever going to grow again. <laughs> right. Man, and now every podcaster I know, not every one of them, the most of them are like, I am so burnt out. I hate my life. I hate everything because I wasted it all on TikTok and my show didn't grow at all. And it's like, we just kind of follow the shiny object of like, this is what's going what's gonna to increase. I hate feeling like I'm sounding like a negative person because I'm not, but I'm just not as fast to jump on these things. I don't necessarily believe the promises that are being made. Well, because we have been burned. In- <laughs> In the past, right? Yeah. Uh, there was a history of, of uh, promises being made, big platforms coming in and it flopping. I mean, Google is a perfect example of it. <laughs> so it's, it's unfortunate that that's what happens, but these big um, companies, I mean, I used to work for Microsoft and worked on Zoom and that, I'll be honest, that flopped too. So, I mean, it's, these big companies don't always have the answer um, and they think they do and they're arrogant when they get into it and they think that they know it all. And, and at the end of the day, this medium is, is far different than a big corporation can oftentimes comprehend because they just don't have the patience for it. 
Last 28 days, uh, new media show, Geek News Central combined watch time hours, 122 hours with 872 views with no promotion on YouTube. Now, I have asked my audience dozens of times on Geek News Central, did you find this show on YouTube? Did you become a subscriber of this podcast because you found this show on YouTube? And to date, for all these many of years, I have never had one listener say, I found you on YouTube. I know you're on YouTube because I'm listening to the show and know you're on YouTube, but I have not found you on YouTube. Now, I don't do it, okay? To be fair, I do very little optimization on YouTube, put a title, a little bit in the description. That's it. And Well, well this show... Um is actually oftentimes listed under Geek News Central. So right, right, because it doesn't have its own channel. Right. Right. Yep. Which we could start building a channel for this show if we wanted to, and maybe mm-hmm. it would do better by itself. Um, but I just didn't have the energy to build another channel, you know, because you, you get to a 1,000 sub- subs. Well, you could buy a 1,000 subs. We could always do that, so we could do live immediately. But, you know, that's cheating. But... You know, it took all these years to get to 2,800 subs on Geekness Central without cheating. So, excuse me, sir, 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 would you like downloads for your podcast on Apple? <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help myself. I have a deal for you. For 50 bucks, I'll get you a thousand. Oh, they're hardcore on LinkedIn. I get five a day trying to follow me on LinkedIn. Hey, I'm a podcast right. promoter or two right. or three emails. Right. Hey. Now, the live shows, uh, and of course, we do all these live. We don't really upload anything. Now, you want to know what's funny is the show that's gotten the most listens of late podcasts coming to YouTube music. That's what the title of the, so, you know, that was a good search term. So I got 126 it, on it that. It proves my point, though. We like the shiny object <laughs> that's right. as a podcaster. Like, it, it, I, if you do another one by, like, I don't know what a new platform is, whatever's coming out next, right? right. If you say how this is going to change podcasting, it's going to be huge because <laughs> we love the shininess. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but just the simple fact that it's YouTube music and not YouTube, you know, that was kind of one of those epiphany moments in the shower. It's like, I, I don't know if I've ever looked at YouTube music and I, and I went and cause I kind of assumed cause I've watched music videos on YouTube. I kind of assumed it was the same thing, but no, it's not. It's something completely different. So I, I don't know. Do they even have, does it have its own app or is it part of the YouTube? It's the first I've ever heard of it. So, uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, I thought it has its own app, but I'm not, hundred percent sure on that. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to Google here real quick. It has to have its own app. Yeah. They do. They have their own music app. They have it. Yeah. It's bada bing, bada bing right there. YouTube music, Google LLC install. It's the same thing that Amazon did, you know, Amazon music. And it's the same thing that Google play did with Google play music. And so we've seen this, this record, uh, play over and over again. So nothing has changed, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but boy, it's going to be talked about as the second coming. You, you know, at the end of the day, though, like none of it matters if your content sucks. Well, like, that's true. Let's just be real. Like at the end of the day, like you can try all the things in the world, but if you don't deliver on the promise you make to the ideal listener that you tell me you serve, and they don't feel like that that it's it's working, it's helping any of that. It, 
what what's what's the point? You can do this all this stuff till you're blue in the face, but if it's not actually serving, it's not actually helping. Like who who cares, right? Like go, go for it, try all these new things, but you'd be better off getting alone in your closet and really writing out how I can be a better podcaster and how I can serve my audience better. That'll work better than anything else that you do. Sustain superior content. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think that there's there is a focus on that next shiny object that is sometimes not where we should be putting our focus um yeah because there are platforms that are out there right now that you can focus on that will actually build your audience i don't think there's any guarantee that jumping out there and getting in youtube music is going to help you grow your show when, when, I, when I was in the Navy for 25 years to get promoted, one term was hammered into my head. To probably the reason why I just said what I said, it was sustained superior performance will get you, will get you promoted in the military. So I go back to say sustained superior content will allow you to win the game in podcasting over the long haul. But it's just not the content though, Alex. It's all the other things you have to do and invest in your show. I, I, you know, I burn vacation days like crazy to attend podcasting events. I wasn't on the payroll yet at, at, at raw voice at blueberry. I was, I was taking PTO from my job. I was, um, you know, I was, I was burning the midnight oil. It was going to events, uh, creating extra content. You know, it was, you're that, that's a, it's a good point. I'm glad you said that because in a day you could be making great content, but if it never finds the right people and the right people find it, you're absolutely right. Like we live in a world where you have to do both. You have to do and, both. and maybe that gives a point to why you should try this YouTube stuff. At the same time, I'm just telling you now, my team will not be the first ones on it. Like I will wait. And if people say it's garbage, then I'm not even going to bother. Right. Like, but if someone says, Hey, it has true merit, then we'll try it. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it can't just be sit back, make good content and pray, right? Like you actually have to go right. do the work after right. that. Um, so thank you for saying that. It's, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. Now, Rob, you were at that event. So was there any other nuggets, any other whispers, any other rumors that you heard? Did anybody give you any, uh, are people scared about the economy? What, what was the mood? Really, my effort with them was just to give them my business card, say, you know, let's do a call, let's talk, let's try and figure this out because I can see what you guys are trying to do. And I think uh, there needs to be cross path communications around, you know, if you're going to do it, how it should be done. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm proactive about wanting to help these companies, um, navigate these things. Um, but at the end of the day too, if they don't have an interest in cooperating with the, with the medium that they're, uh, professing that they want to enter and have an impact in, then they're going to have a hard time. But so, what, but what were the other takeaways from that event besides YouTube? Anything whispers, any moods? What was the, what was the vibe? Uh, I wouldn't say that there was any specific vibe. I mean, a lot of the topics at like hot pod, um, summit are, you know, old beat the path kind of right. topics. I mean, it's, it, it's hard for me to go, go to an event and hear something really new. I but, think that the, 
the thing that happens uh, oftentimes now more than ever is the talk about um, AI and its impact on the media. Yeah. And that's what everybody's really more focused on. I think now is just the impact of AI. And, and I, I think right now, I think we all need to just sit back and say, I, I think AI has a very minor role to play um, for the foreseeable future. I don't think for too long. We don't want to be blockbuster. So, yeah, no, I agree with that, Todd. <laughs> but I also say that a lot of people put a lot of faith into this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been trying to work with it too, like Capshow and some of those. And, mm-hmm. and I use tools like uh, Grammarly and yep. other tools to work with my text. And, yep. and if you export stuff out of Capshow and Grammarly takes a look at it, they're like tearing it apart. So, right. you know, so you're, oh, you noticed that as well, didn't you? Of work, right? Yeah. that are that are not as simple as people think they are right so, and you have to worry about copyright too yep. you have to worry about duplication you have to worry about is what's being generated here really entirely unique here so, here's something that was interesting i took cuz i've been testing this too i i did it on um jasper.ai and i pay for jasper.ai mm-hmm. or the company does disclosure and i had it write an article and I dropped that into Grammarly and set my criteria. Grammarly couldn't score it. Grammarly choked on it. They went through and, and did the edit, changed a whole bunch of stuff, but it could never, it was the first time ever Grammarly couldn't give me a score. Hmm. And I thought, why, is why would Grammarly not give, I can write something by hand and dump it into grammar and it says, okay, you're at 84%. Right. And then it goes through and I spend 15 minutes in there and, you know, then I come out 96, 97%. It never could give me a score on what it corrected. I think it was utterly confused and it made me think a little bit. So well, Grammarly likes to go in and completely change oh, sentences absolutely. and paragraphs. And, and I mean, it's, and if you're trying to generate a transcript from a show, <laughs> oh well, don't don't put it in there. Don't don't run it through Grammarly. It's no, going to tear no. it apart into something that's unrecognizable. So, but it, it was curious yeah. that it couldn't produce a score. So I thought, hmm, yeah, why was why was that? Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't do anything with the article. I trashed it. It was just you know I'm just testing. Yeah, and um, but can. We're already at 90 minutes, believe it or not. We're actually over. Um, so, Alex, I wanted to ask you about AI. What's your thoughts on AI's integration into podcasting right now? Yeah, it's it's interesting. The first thing I, I my first thought on it is a podcast listener. I listen to people talk about AI and podcasts that have nothing to do with AI. And I just tell them, like, stop. Like, you can talk about it in the, the green room and off of it. But, like, if you go back to, like, a Doberman training podcast, it AI shouldn't come up at all. So the first thing, I mean, I know that we are all techies if you're in podcasting to a certain extent, but you got to have that like that boundary of like what my audience cares about versus like what's going on in the background. Mm-hmm. So my first thing is not everyone should be talking about it the way they are, but it, it, it's made to help extend our humanity, right? Like to extend what we're able to do. Some of the tools are working right now. Some aren't yet. Uh, my thought is use it where it makes sense. Um, and then but not everyone needs it, right? Like, so for me, I sometimes even use chat GTP or whatever it's called, right? Like 
and I'll use yeah. it to give me a first draft of a, of a headline. If I'm like struggling with it, I'll throw it in there. That's all I use it for. It's just that one thing. And the thing is, after about 10 times of using it, now I can go on the internet or go look at a podcast player and I can tell you if they use chat GTP to make the title because of just the few things yep. it's actually able to do. So yep. it's just not intel, and I'm not like a super intelligent person, but what they're feeding into it just isn't all there yet, right? And so I think we're still really early phases, but at the end of the day, the only objective that, or the only thing it's going to be really used for long-term, I think, is to extend what we're able to do as people. And maybe I could be totally wrong. Like someone could watch this in 20 years and be like, hey, Alex was wrong. And AI could be reading it, you know, saying that. Who knows? Um, but in my mind, yeah, it's just another, it kind of is a little bit of a shiny object again in podcasting. Like, do you need to use it? If not, don't force it. But if it makes sense and it's extending what you're able to do in an hour of time, then by all means, go for it. It's, yeah, it is a shortcut yeah. in, in process, but it's not a replacement for human creativity and human um, input. Uh, that's it, been clear to see. And one thing's for sure, they run home to mama. You, I can Now that I've used it, use these tools for less than a month, I can, I can spot almost all the time, especially within the sentence configuration, how it writes sentences. So anyway, that's, you know, probably spent a whole hour and a half on that. Um, before you go, Alex, we should have done this earlier website, what you doing with the, your platform, where can people find you all, all that good info? Yeah, I'll keep it real simple. Podpros.com is like our, if you will, umbrella for our company. I used to say our umbrella corporation, but that always made me scared even when I said it. So just podpros.com has all the different things that we do. And I'm, I'm probably most well known for Podmatch, but we have Podcast SOP and our new one, Pod Lottery as well. But everything is at podpros.com. You can find all the links there. But again, honored to be here with you guys. This is like, for real, this is a bucket list checkoff for me. So this is pretty cool. Well, well, thank, thank you thank, for joining us. Thanks yeah. for coming on. And, you know, you're always the best dressed man at podcast conferences. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if any right. of you are uh, going to podcast movement, uh, Alex is easy to find. He's always dapper in his wear and his, uh, and it, you know, you are. I I'm, very rarely do I see someone dressed better than you. So uh, you, you yeah, go I to appreciate that. You go to impress. It's a terrific uh, reputation to have, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Thank you, guys. So uh, next week, Rob and I will be at Podcast Movement Evolutions along with Alex, and uh, we will be live what day, what time, Rob? Maybe live. Uh, well, hopefully. Um, Friday, um, March 10th at 11 a.m. And I guess, Todd, we have the room from 11 a.m. to 1245. Wow. So do we have our guest yet? Uh, so far I have, uh, Ariel and, and, and blot is okay. going to be with us. All right. Um, I've been trying to invite another uh, person, but I have not been successful at finding someone that actually is sticking around for the final day. So, oh, a lot of people are leaving. A lot of people are leaving on Thursday. Yeah, so we might have an empty room on Friday. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. And it just may be you, me, and Ariel. Oh, that's fine, too. Yeah. Uh, Ariel's a lot of fun. We'll have a lot. I'm sure we can, she's we can do 90 minutes with her. Easy. Oh, yeah. She's so, a talker, all right. Yep. Um, but anyway, I guess we'll see what happens next week at Podcast Movement. I'm very uh, keen to see attendance numbers, vibe, and the whole nine yards. So, uh, Rob, are you... Does Podbean have a booth there? Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, I think it's like 201 or something like that. Yeah, I, I have think, no uh, idea what our number is. Uh, how about you, Alex? You got a booth? No, I, I don't. Um, I've done it before. I'm so scared of a booth running a, with a small team. I feel like it's like a I'm wearing a leash and I can't move, so well, I will that, be just walk <laughs> the floor. <laughs> well, that is true. Uh, and it is a little bit like a leash. Yeah, yeah right. there's two of us there, so hopefully that show's easy enough to handle with two, so um, yeah. should be fine. Um, but uh, Westgate. About, yeah, it's about. It's going to be probably about half the size as the regular podcast movement would be my guess. Yeah, that's about the, what it was at L.A., so we we will see. Um, definitely more business oriented, uh, event. So I think our new backdrop is going to be there. So excited to show, well, I think we showed it off at podcast movement. I can't remember. I think, I think you did. Yeah. yeah I yeah, saw yeah. a new backdrop unless you got a whole, yeah, that, one. Uh, the lit one, the one that's like the lit box. Yeah. 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 So, but, uh, anyway, I guess we'll get out of here. Everyone. Thanks for being here. And, uh, Alex, thanks for coming on. We've kept you along and, uh, Appreciate everyone that has uh, boosted today. We definitely appreciate that, uh, those boosts that came in. And I guess my Linode bill is going to go up 20% for my Blueberry.chat Mastodon instance. So, wow. so I guess it's $60 okay. I'm paying for that now. So 20%, what is that, another $7.20 or something like that? So we will see. Um, hey, again, if you haven't started to use a new podcast app, go over to newpodcastapps.com. And uh, grab yourself uh, one of these advanced, snazzy new podcast apps where you can participate in the value for value system. If we've given you value today while you're listening to this on uh, live replay, we hope that you are streaming sats to us, which some people do. And we also appreciate the boostograms that come in. We'll read during the show. I'm Todd at Blueberry.com at Geek News on Twitter. Rob? Yeah, I'm on Twitter as well at Rob Greenlee and RobGreenlee.com. And uh, if you want to reach me an email, you can send it to robg at podbean.com. I'm happy to hear from you and look forward to seeing many of you in uh, Las Vegas. That's right. On and, Monday. And Alex, Tuesday. again for you? Yeah. Uh, so podpros.com. You'll find all my social links. Everything's right there on the homepage, really. All right. Well, and everyone else, thanks for being here. We'll see you uh, live next week from Podcast Movement Evolutions. We're out of here. See you later. Bye-bye.